0: Thank you for tuning in. We trust that you will be blessed and refreshed as you hear this message. Good morning. Um, I'm sure you're enjoying the 21 days of fasting and prayer. Yeah? And um, this morning, um, that the sermon is titled, One Thing. Not many things, not few things, not two things, but just one thing. Okay, so even as I bring the word, I want you to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what is that one thing you want me to hear from you? Is that a good prayer to pray? Come on, let's all pray together. Lift your voices up and say, Lord, speak to me this morning. Lord, we pray that you will give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say. So we ask you, Holy Spirit of God, to speak to each one of us this morning. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by your spirit, Lord. And so we ask you that you will minister to us. May the entrance of your word bring light and illumination. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. Henry Ford, the founder of Ford Motor Company said this, A weakness of all human beings is trying to do too many things at once. You agree with me? That scatters effort and destroys direction. It makes for haste, and haste makes waste. So we do things all the wrong ways possible before we come to the right one. Then we think it's the best way because it works, and it was the only way left that we could see you got that we're crowded with so many things so this morning i've chosen one thing the word one thing from the scripture and i made it as a sermon and we're trying to draw what the lord has in store for us okay so the first one thing is found in john chapter 9 okay there are two chapters but if we're going to read two chapters it's going to take a very long time for all of us, so I'm going to kind of narrate to you what that is all about. So chapter 8 ends with this great um, argument that Jesus says, before Abraham, I was. You know that argument in the Bible? And the Pharisees want to stone Jesus to death because he was a mere man. He's a mere man and he's equating himself to Abraham, the father of faith. And so they try to stone him, but then Jesus slips away from the temple, comes out. And there, outside the temple, he sees a blind beggar. And so the disciples start asking Jesus, Lord, why is he blind? Is it the sin of his parents or is it his own sin that he is blind? And Jesus says, no, no, it's not his sin or the sin of his parents, but the mighty works of God might be displayed in his life. And so what does Jesus do? He spits on the ground, he makes mud out of saliva, he anoints the eyes of the blind man, and tells him, go to this pool of Siloam, wash yourself. And the blind beggar obeys, and just goes and does exactly, and lo and behold, God opens his eyes. He's now able to see. And that should be an exciting thing for people around. But what happens is that they're not very happy to see this blind man able to see, but they find a loophole saying, Today is the Sabbath day. How could Jesus heal someone? And so there's a huge argument between two groups of Pharisees, and there's a division there. And so now they call the parent of this blind man and they say, Was he really blind? Is this a real miracle? There's a lot of unbelief on the inside of them. But the parents are scared because if they say the name of Jesus, the Jews would have warned them that they will be expelled from the synagogue. So they're scared. And they pass the bug. They say, he's a grown guy. Ask him. And so the blind man says this classic word that I'm going to read to you. So probably I'm just paraphrasing the verse. He says, Don't ask me all these questions. It's too much for me. The law and the Sabbath and this and that and all that. All I know is one thing. One thing I know. Once I was blind, now I see. All I know is one thing. One thing I know. Once I was blind, now I see. Just the way Jesus came after that blind man who was despised. He was an orphan probably. No, he had parents, but he was just left abandoned there. Looked down upon, uncared for, unprotected, given up on life. But Jesus came and touched him and healed him. Similarly our lives, isn't it? One day Jesus came into our life and he touched and he healed us. And so the first one thing, it's actually a privilege for us. What is that? It's our salvation. John 9.25, what the blind beggar says, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I know. One thing I do know I was blind, but now I see. Once we were all far away from God, today we are brought close by the blood of Jesus. God, who is rich in mercy, who is great in love, made us alive in Christ. Do you believe in that church? Yes? Yeah? Ephesians 2, 1 to 6. I'm just going to read these verses. Uh, Some of the verses are about our past. Some of them are the now for us. So this is how the verse goes. And you were spiritually dead and separated from him. Agreed? We were totally dead. Not half dead, fully dead. Separated from God. We were following the ways of the world. That's what it says. And then it goes on to say, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Whatever we felt was good for us, we continued living that kind of life. We were so, we, our minds were sinful. We were by nature, children, under the sentence of God's wrath. Just like the rest of mankind. That was our past. But God. But God. There was a God moment in our lives. You agree with me? The God moment for me happened in 2006. I gave my life probably in 1999. By 2006, when I came for the encounter, there was a God moment. God touched my life. And similarly, for each one of us, there was a God moment. Amen? And for those of you watching or you're sitting here... Today can be a God moment. Maybe you've not given your life to Jesus. It's your opportunity. You can make that commitment. God will change your life, turn around things for you, and your name will be written in the book of life. And so, but God was rich in mercy because of his great love and wonderful love with which he loved us. You know what? God loves you. In the Christian circle, it's a very common thing. Yeah, I know it. For most of us, it's here. But for some of us, it's gone here. And they say the longest distance is for it to get from here to here. So this morning, I want to ask you, is it here or is it here? But now, God who is rich in love, And great in mercy. This is what God did for us. He made us spiritually alive together with Christ. You are alive together with Christ. And you are raised up together with Christ. We were all dead there. He raised up together with Christ. And we are seated with Him together in the heavenly realms. That's our authority. That's a privilege, isn't it, church? Did you do anything? Did the blind beggar do anything? I hope he made, he said his morning prayers that day. Undeserving that God came after us. We are raised up together. We are seated together. What a privilege. What a privilege. What's the meaning of the word privilege? Have you ever thought of it? It's a special right. It's an advantage, a special authority that you can enjoy, only you can enjoy, not everyone. You can enjoy that, and that reminds all of us of the day when Jesus stepped into our life. You heard the song, Reckless Love? We, uh, the reckless love doesn't fee- fit in the theology, so we've changed it to relentless love, what, whatever you might call it. I want to read the words of the song. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending Reckless, relentless, love of God. Oh, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found. Leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Everyone who's sitting here, everyone who's watching, we don't deserve it. Still he's willing to give it to us. He found us bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road. He poured in, the oil and the wine. It was God who came after us. God who went after Adam and he said, Adam, where are you? He came after us. And one morning, even as I was preparing, I. this is a very common phrase. There are many songs um, with this phrase. It says, Jesus is the best thing that happened to me. Are you excited? Yeah, can you say that with me? Jesus is the best thing that happened to me amen so if you ask the blind man what will he say jesus can you complete it is the best thing that happened to me ask the samaritan woman what she would say jesus is the best thing that happened to me ask zacchaeus what would he say jesus is the best thing that happened to me the centurion what will he say I think you're wearing the mask, so probably I'm not able to hear you or you're choosing not to say, okay? So I encourage you, okay? Is Jesus the best thing that happened to you? Yes, amen. The lady with the issue of blood, what will she say? Jesus is the best thing that happened to me. Jairus' daughter, what will she say? Jesus is the best thing that happened to me. All the disciples will say, Jesus is the best thing that happened to me. And all of Adonai, what are you saying? Jesus is the best thing that happened to me. And all those watching online, Jesus is the best thing that happened to us. Amen. I think that should be the thumping music going on in your spirit every day. That's the privilege. That's the one thing. That's the one thing. I love this song, Amazing Grace. And that song kind of coincides with the phrase that I want I was once blind, now I see. Can we all sing that together? Okay, it's not, this is also worship. Everything is worship unto God. Okay, let's all sing that together Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Once more together, amazing grace, how sweet, sing it out church. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Why don't you lift your hands and thank him for his amazing grace this morning. Say, thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. Once I was lost, but now I'm found in Jesus. Once I was blind, but today I can see, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I can see through these spiritual eyes of my future, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the first one thing is the privilege. What is it? The privilege. The second one thing... Is the priority. I'm making it very easy for you. Privilege, priority. And I have a quote from Linda Stone. She's a Microsoft executive. She says this. We have gone from Iron Age to the Industrial Age to the Information Age to the Interruption Age. You have that box sitting right in your hand which is symbolic of the interruption age, for which we have to really make a choice not to get interrupted, yeah? So maybe very soon, there might be five-star hotels with this uh, poster saying, no internet service, so that you won't get your office calls at 12 in the night. That's the age we're living in, okay? So if I have to ask you, what is that one thing that's important to you? What is that one priority That you will not exchange for anything in the whole of this world. What would that be? If I have to ask King David, what will he say? He will quote a verse from Psalm twenty-seven. For he will say, "One thing I desire; that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord." All the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen? Amen? David was a shepherd boy. He was was taking care of his father's flock. He soon became a giant slayer. You all know the story. After killing Goliath, the Philistine, he became Saul's armor bearer and he fought many battles. David's victory resulted in Saul's jealousy. David, at the age of 30, was the first king of Israel. Both the northern and the southern kingdom. All the 12 tribes together. All the accomplishments, all the achievements, he managed. So don't you think he would have been a very, very busy man? Yes? With all the wives and children and banquets and battles. Yet, yet he made that one thing the very thing of his heart. The man was called after God's own heart, prioritized to dwell in the presence of the Lord. What is this word priority? I like to go and learn new words. And, and kind of, it, it actually gives you a different um, uh, 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 no, understanding actually so, I went and searched the meaning of the word priority, and this is what it said. Something given or meriting attention before competing alternatives. It's too many words. Something given attention before competing alternatives. What does it mean? There's a competition going on around you to get your attention. Okay? Isn't that true? Yes? Yes? This morning also probably. There are so many things that you had to do. It's a competing alternatives, but what is that you will give priority? What is that will go on the first on your list? For David, it was one thing to dwell in the presence of the Lord. I read another version, a translation. It says, one thing I desire um, of the Lord that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days Of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire of the Lord. I can boldly say that David was called uh, a man after God's own heart because of this one thing. He understood the heartbeat of God to dwell in the presence of the Lord. In Westminster Catechism, there are many questions in that. The first question is this, what is the chief end of man? If I have to ask you that question, what is the chief end of man? What would you say? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Amen? That is our chief end. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever and ever. David made that choice. David made that priority. David made that one thing his main thing in life. There was another person who was commended for choosing this one thing. That is Mary in the Bible. Okay? So come and read with me uh, Luke uh, chapter 10 verses 38 to 42. Yeah? Now while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. There was lady, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, one family, so they invited Jesus. The Bible says, Martha welcomed Jesus. She was the one who invited Jesus. But look at the posture here. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet. Can you look at the posture? She seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. Martha invited Jesus. Mary made a choice to sit at the feet of Jesus and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted. Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. Sounds like a a housewife, probably. Or probably you're a manager or you're holding many responsibilities. You're kind of distracted, it says, and was busy with a lot of responsibilities. And she approached him, Jesus, and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do all this serving? Serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part. But who's watching? Both the people. Who's watching them? Jesus is watching. And this is what Jesus comments. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. Did you hear that, church? Is the Lord talking to you this morning? Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. Are you getting that? You are worried and anxious and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. And who has made the choice this morning? Mary has chosen the good part. Mary has chosen the good part, that which is her advantage, which will not be taken away from us. So, two people, Martha, so many things. Mary, one thing. Which category are you this morning? Sometimes I fall in Martha's category. So many things. Busy with all the responsibilities. Of course I'm serving the Lord, yes. But what is that one thing that's necessary? To be. At the feet of Jesus. It's very metaphorically written there to say, be in the presence of God, seek Him first. So, what happens is that when we are too busy and we are too distracted with a lot of things, we end up being anxious and bothered. You agree with me? Right? And they, in, uh, someone called it, it's called a Martha syndrome. And they say to every Martha syndrome, there is a Mary solution. I didn't do this, I, I saw somewhere. It's a good thing to remember. Many things, Martha's syndrome. One thing, Mary's solution at the feet of Jesus. Amen? Amen? And what happens even as we get anxious, we become very grumpy, we become grouchy, we start blaming everyone. True? That's what happened here. But only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. When you make the choice, it's not going to be taken away from you. It's your choice, it's your faith. Mary has chosen. And who's saying this? The Lord Jesus is saying that. It's your choice every day. It's your choice. Life is a matter of choices. And every choice you make, makes you. Life is a matter of choices. And every choice you make, makes you. Lord Jesus had a choice to make every day. We read in the Bible, he took off to solitary place. Spend time with the Father. Right? The whole night he prayed. He fasted and prayed for 40 days. His ministry started with fasting and prayer. And when he chose each one of us, or probably when Jesus chose his disciple, what was the primary thing that he chose them for? Do you know what it is? Come with me to Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Mark 3, verse 14 says, He appointed 12 the disciples that they might be with with him and that he might send them out to preach. So if you are a disciple of Jesus, what is your priority? I didn't hear you. To spend time with him. Be with him. Be with him. And then you go about in doing things. I'm sure many of us are involved in some form of ministry or not. Uh-oh, you're in Adonai. Discipling, evangelism, worship. Make it your priority to be with him First. That's where you receive strength and stability to move on. The greatness of a person is not so much determined in the power he displays or the authority he demonstrates. Did you get that? The greatness of a person is not so much determined in the power he displays or the authority he demonstrates. The greatness of a person is seen in his dependence on God. His dependence on God, his humility to seek God first. His humility to seek God first. Humble people are God-dependent people. Humble people are those who seek God first. Many things, one thing. If you are a disciple of Jesus, then you need to have this as your spiritual discipline. I want to read a poem for you. I got this uh, from the net and it's, it's really nice. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't take time to pray. Problems just stumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me? I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, why child, you didn't knock. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on, gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He answered me, but you didn't seek. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take the time to pray. To hear is still small voice every day. We are bombarded with so many voices. Voices from the world. Voices from within. Voices from the enemy. If we are not discerning, we will be led astray. So we tune in our voice to hear. Mary lingered in the presence of the Lord she understood what is it to hang out with God like Enoch probably and so what happened she didn't give up even it was at the tombstone what did Mary do she was lingering around at the tombstone and what happened the resurrected savior appeared to Mary first not even to his disciples So you want to see the resurrection power in your life. You want God to speak to you. Linger in the presence of the Lord. Make that your priority. Church, are you with me this morning? Yes, linger in the presence of the Lord. You will have the privilege to encounter the risen Savior every day. Every day. Okay? So the first one thing is, what's the first one thing we did? It's a privilege. The second one thing is a? Priority. Yeah, the third one thing is passion. Who comes to your mind when you say the word passion? John Alexander. His announcements. He's so passionate about everything he says. Uh, even the evangelism and stuff like that. And who comes to your mind if you, uh, from the Bible in the New Testament? Who was very passionate about Jesus? Absolutely Absolutely, Paul. And what is this word passion? A strong emotion, an intense desire with great enthusiasm. It's not passive. A strong emotion, an intense desire with great enthusiasm. And that's what Paul demonstrated throughout his life. And uh, Paul was church's missionary and gospel preacher, an evangelist. He was a church planter. Right, he was um, he was a evangelist. He was well-traveled missionary. He was a minister even before he became. Uh, he, God touched him, um, uh, uh, and uh, and uh, from a place of being a persecutor and a menace, he became a soul winner for Jesus. But Apostle Paul makes a proclamation that will help each one of us to have a fresh start. Today is 31st of January. How has this month been for you? Have you ticked off all the resolution from the list that you've made? It's good to look back every month and see how far you've come. But there is a superb message that Paul has to tell us. And what is he telling? Come with me to Philippians chapter 3 verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What is he talking about? He's talking about the life of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the suffering. He says, "I'm I'm not yet there, but what is that one thing I do? What is that one thing Paul is doing? Paul wants to do, he says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead forgetting what lies behind. What lies behind you? What lies behind you? Your past. Is the past catching up with you? Are those skeletons in your closet that you open every day, have a nice peep and close it back? Are there past sins that's still entangling you and and becoming a stumbling block? Are you traumatized with your past? with your past, whatever has happened? Are you living in discouragement and regret and disappointment and losses that has happened to you? What is Paul uh, uh, encouraging the church this morning? He's saying, forget what is lying behind. Don't focus on your past. The Bible says in Isaiah, I will do a new thing. Don't dwell on the former things. That's exactly what Paul is saying, that forget What is lying behind? You cannot start the new chapter in your life if you keep rereading the last one. You're too stuck up in the past. You cannot start a new chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last one. If there are things that you need to deal with your past, bring it before God. Receive healing and Move on. So it's not just the past disappointments and things, even the past sin. If you're still struggling, we have the HTC, we have the encounter, we have pastors and leaders here, we have the cell groups, you can meet with one of them and receive help. Forgetting what is behind. Past successes will also fall in that category. Sometimes we are still in 1947. 1947. That time God did this miracle. That time God used me. You're still stuck there. We need to live in the now. What is God doing in you right now, through you? Sometimes our past victories can make us very proud, very conceited. And you can become very complacent, mediocre, and lethargic. You agree with me? Yeah? So we need to... Also leave the good behind for the best. Amen? You need to probably in Adonai or probably in your families, your businesses, you're doing good. Praise God. But you need to leave behind the good to go to the best. This year's theme is from good to great. I think this is the solution. You make that one thing. Forgetting what lies behind, right? That's what God told in Deuteronomy 1.6. The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. And God is telling you people and all those who are watching online, you have become complacent and you're staying in this place for a very long time. Get up and get going. Whichever area that God is speaking to you, God is asking you, get up and get going. Don't become too comfortable and become complacent. If the present quarrels with the past, there can be no future. That's what Winston Churchill says. If the present quarrels with the past, there can be no future. Our past is nailed onto the cross. Amen. You are not a product of the past. You are a product of the cost. You are a product of the cross. Amen. And so, Leave behind. Forget what is behind. And what do you do? Strain towards what lies ahead. Amen? Strain towards because you've become so complacent. Now you have to lift yourself up, move some muscles which needs force. You have to move on. And so the Bible is saying, Paul is saying, strain towards what lies ahead of you. Strain towards. And what comes to your mind when you hear this word? Straining towards. An athlete. There is a routine that the person follows: training, workout, diet, rest, uh, sleep. And an athlete is all doing it so that his or her mind is on that game, on that goal, on that price, on that marathon. And so for that person, is kind of training. So even as we are in this journey, let us run this race in tandem. Do not take off in a tangent. Run this race in a tandem with the Holy Spirit. Is still small voice at the feet of Jesus, making it the priority to dwell and behold him, not taking off in a tangent in the will of God. We remain. And so, what is Paul encouraging us? You're leaving behind your past. You're straining towards the goal. And what is the goal? I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The goal is to make your privilege your responsibility. Amen? What is that privilege we spoke about? Your salvation. God opened our eyes. I was once blind. Now I see. But what are we doing about it? We reach out. We evangelize. We disciple. So this year, our desire as a church is to involve everyone in some program or the other. You are either discipling someone or you are being discipled by someone. You are on this onward journey. You are on this onward journey, and there is some um, amount of uh, what do you call work that is need to be done. They say that only in the dictionary there is success that comes before work, not in real life. Paul himself agrees with that. He's leaving behind the past, but he's training. You have to put some effort. It's your responsibility. Privilege is free but it's your responsibility. So you're making Jesus um, alive to everyone. You're sharing the gospel and you are asking the Lord to help you. Hudson Taylor, he was a missionary to China and this is what he said. I am willing to go anywhere as long as it is forward, onward, Christward. Amen? I didn't want to pray this prayer, I mean this quote, because if God tells me leave and go, How many are agreeing with me? But I'd rather be in the will of God and be where he wants me to be than be outside the will of God. And so I want to say this together and you can join me. I am willing to go anywhere as long as it is a forward, onward and Christward. Without Jesus, no. So, forgetting what is behind you, your past successes, your past sins, discouragement, you're straining forward with that goal to make Jesus um, real to people. And you need stability and strength. And God says, I will give you the grace for the race. That's what this lady, Christine Kane, says. God will give you the grace for the race. You're not alone in this. And everyone who wins this uh, athletic uh, competition in in the Olympics, in the Greek Olympics, there would be an effigy, a face carved on marble. They would be given the front seat. And all the taxes that they were supposed to pay was was kind of cancelled, exempted. And most of all, they would receive a crown from Caesar himself. So what's our goal? and we stand before the throne of God. God gives you a crown, and he calls out to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Well done, good and faithful servant. So when salvation is our privilege, making disciples should become our passion and priority. And salvation is our privilege, Making disciples should become our responsibility. And this can happen only as you behold him. So the priority is right, the sandwich. You have your privilege, your priority, and your passion. It all goes, it's overlapping one on the other. We can see fruit in what we're doing only through abiding. Amen? Everyone say the word abiding. Abiding means remaining. Our abiding will produce abounding. When you abide in the vine, you will abound in fruit. You're excited this morning? It's not difficult because God's going to help you in this onward journey, but you take it as a responsibility. We take it as a responsibility Every functional group in Adonai do not get carried away by what we're doing. Not just the functional group, even a parent. You're working somewhere. You're a a student. You need to abide in the vine so that you can become fruitful wherever you are. I want to conclude with this verse from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, The verse starts with therefore, because Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of all those in the hall of fame, so to say. The walk of faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the people, David, everyone. And so uh, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is concluding and saying, because therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, they all have rammed the race. There are witnesses around you. It's like you're running the race and you have Moses and Elijah and everyone surrounding you from above. And they're looking at you and they're clapping, they're cheering, they're applauding and saying, come on, brother, press on. Move forward. So what are they saying? There's a cloud that surrounds us. There's a spiritual realm that's watching over us. Let us all lay aside every weight. What is that weight you're carrying this morning? From your past successes, or your past sin, or past failure, still a stumbling block, not allowing you to go forward? Which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before you. I think the race that's set before us, the privileged priority Is the passion to make Jesus known to people, make disciples. And how are you doing this? Verse 2, looking to Jesus. You can't do without Jesus. That's why I said, he's the best thing that happened to me. Jesus is the best thing that happened to us, right? And so we are looking to Jesus. He ran the race. He lived this life. And so we draw every strength and stability from him. The founder and the perfecter of our faith. He will perfect that which is imperfect in us. He will perfect our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So you behold him. Jesus ran the race. Paul ran the race. God is encouraging you this morning. Run the race with perseverance. We need a disciple. How is it possible to have spiritual children without being one with the lover of our soul? It's not possible. So what is that one thing God has impressed on your heart this morning? Is it the privilege? If you've not given your life to Jesus or you've been a, I don't want to use the word, backsliding Christian, or you've been rebellious and you're purposely not wanting the Lord In your life, God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. It's a privilege. Open your heart. Jesus loves you. The second thing is a priority. Have you misplaced your priorities? Where is it? Are you focusing on the many things with the Martha syndrome? Or is it just one thing like Mary? That's a solution. You can repent today and say, Lord, I need you help me prioritize or have you lost passion in your heart probably you were involved in ministry you love sharing the word you love serving the lord you're not doing it or probably the fire is there god is encouraging you he is willing to fan into flame and bring it out so that you will run the race and you will do the job of an evangelist evangelism is not just left to the living free team it's each one of our responsibility. It's a privilege, a priority, and a responsibility. Let's all rise up. We want to do this song. It's called The Potter's Hand. And even as we do this song, whatever God has impressed on your heart, you can bring it before him, ask the Lord to shape you, mold you, and may you walk keeping this one thing, the very thing, in your heart. just close your eyes and just focus on the Lord focus on the things that God has impressed on your heart this morning this afternoon Lord we thank you for speaking your word thank you for stirring our hearts even as we Surrender our lives before you this morning, Lord. This afternoon, Lord. We ask you that you give us the grace for the race that's ahead of us. Give us the passion that we lack, Lord. Help us to prioritize, Lord. Not to just be so complacent with the privilege you've given us, Lord. But to press on, onward, forward, and Christ word, Lord. Sing the song. Spirit teach me dear Lord, to go to the fall of my life to your ride. I'm captured, I'm captured by your Call me You gently call me, sing it together, church, into your presence, guiding me by, Singing to the void of my life, through your eyes, I'm captured by, This morning communicate your heart, your desire to him. Oh Jesus, Holy oh, Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us. That privilege you've given us, Lord. You've saved us. You opened our blind eyes. That you will enable your church, your people, your children to prioritize, like David, like Mary, to linger in your presence, which will determine the passion in our lives, Father God, to make you known to people, to know you, and to make you known to the nations, to the lost world. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will fall on each one of us, stir a passion, stir a desire in each one of our hearts, Lord, a desire for your kingdom and a desire for your purposes to be in the will of God. Thank you, Lord. Each one of us will be on the journey that's onward, forward, and Christward. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hope you're blessed. God bless you. Have a good week. We look forward to seeing you uh, next Sunday. Tune in for a new message next week. To know more, visit us at www.adonichurch.in